I'm sorry, I had freaking soda come out of my nose now. I'm so sorry. I started you know laughing. What? You know what? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Take the Black podcast. I'm your host, Razor. I'm here with Isis. She's been keeping us laughing for the past 10 minutes. I'm here with Corey Phone and Corey Smith, and we're here to talk about the Game of Thrones Season 8 teaser, The Crypts of Winterfell, that came out last Sunday. I know we weren't on the air last week, so we weren't able to get all nerdy about it and get crazy. Um, but we're going to talk about it tonight. But before we get into that, there has been some breaking news and from Twitter. So it's about 80% to 90% true. Um, a French web, a French HBO affiliate tweeted out today, about three hours ago now, that the, um, the run times for Game of Thrones Season 8. It's an HBO affiliate, and they tweeted out that the first um, two episodes will be 60 minutes, and the last four episodes will be 80 minutes. Corey Phone, what is your thoughts on this? Uh, that's shorter than what anyone had guessed, I think, um, for those first two episodes. There's a lot of shit they have to get done, and I was under the impression that they were getting – I mean, didn't an HBO exec say they've made – six movies or whatever at one point like several people have said it right smith yeah yeah you got all the people i mean basically everybody said that i don't think anybody actually said like length they just said they're like movies so it was kind of always open to interpretation i guess i'm just that's just a lot of there's just a lot of content to get through you know like the biggest complaint everyone including myself had about last season was it was like a rush to moments. There wasn't much build. And I know that we've had several seasons of build and like the, the stakes have already been laid out before us. We don't need an episode to remind us, you know, that the white walkers are coming or whatever. Everybody's on board, but last season just felt like a big rush to big moments that worked within a vacuum. But when you look at the whole like episode, it's like, what? Why did you know? Like, I think the best example of a rush to a moment is the 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 wrangling a white storyline, where you know we we had them go you know go north. They meet up with the brotherhood without brothers, whatever the shit they're called. <laughs> yeah, and go uh, they all go north, you know, and we we get. We keep getting, they just keep cutting back to Jon Snow having a conversation with a different character. And it just felt really, it felt really weird to me. Like, I don't know, it felt kind of lazy that it was like, are we going to have Jon Snow talk to Jorah? And then we're going to cut back to this thing with Sansa, back to Jon, up, he's talking to Beric. And then we're going to, and it's like, oh yeah, all of these life changing, like, you know, affirming moments is going to happen back to back to back in, in this episode. And then up, that's three days later, they're at the lake. And it's, you know what he did? He pretty much went on the quest to uh, drop the ring in Mount Doom all in one episode. He met up with, like, the Rivendell people. Then he went yeah. and met up with... Yeah. So there's yeah. your Lord of the Rings. So, I mean, that, and the thing but is, I mean, you know, at the lake, the, the, scene, the scene at the, the frozen lake yeah. with the dragons and everything, badass. What an awesome scene. And, I mean, the twist with Viserion dying. Badass. Yeah, but to get there, it was almost comical like how fast it happened how fast she got up there i mean you know what i'm saying just there, everything Gendry, felt Gendry running Gendry running all the way back really fast yeah everything fast. felt like it was in a vacuum and, and i'm worried about that now after hearing that the first two episodes are only an hour and then after that they're only 80 minutes you know i mean i, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess that lets them squeeze if it's an extra 20 minutes for the last four episodes, an extra, you know, episode and a half almost out. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem like much to me. I mean, what you're looking at is basically how long season seven was, right? You're looking at seven hours and yeah. 20 minutes. And that, right? so an, extra, an extra 20 minutes from last season. From last season. And we're, we're down an episode. So yeah, they're cramming in extra minutes in the last four episodes. So we know the Smith, we know the battle for Winterfell starts in episode three, right? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I, I know this is all a rumor at this point, but the runtime seemed to line up with the the director lineup that we know that we that's confirmed. Well, to right? put to put to put the your mind at ease, this came from Premiere. It's a uh, French. Twitter handle and it's a verified Twitter handle, and yeah, so no, I mean I'm just saying like it 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 lines up with what yeah. what we already know because episodes one and two are directed by David Nutter, um and he and he also directed episode he directs episode four and he's he's not necessarily known as like an action director, um he does big moments like he did the Red Wedding and he did uh, John's murder. Um, but not necessarily like the big action scene. So episode three is when Miguel Sapochink uh, hops on board, and so that would make sense that it hops up to 80 minutes from there on out. So, I mean, yeah, we might end up with a little bit variance, but I think that the I think it all lines up with what we know so far. And um, I mean, I don't know the the final ones all being 80. I like that because I was guessing there was going to be a shorter episode in the middle. Yeah, right? I figured we would get a break like around episode four or five. Right. Exactly. And, and well, then it would think, hit us hard in the end. We think episode three is the Battle of Winterfell, and then Sapochink directs episode five. So we assume that's the Battle of King's Landing. Mm-hmm. So those episodes being long make sense, but we kind of figure, and obviously the finale we knew was going to be long. But yeah, I thought episode four, the the kind of in between the battle episodes, was going to be shorter. So I guess they they're going to be you know they got a lot to show us in between the two battles. So I I think the episode run times are pretty good. I mean, Isis, how do you feel about this? Kind of seems like they're setting us up with two episodes to set the whole set the whole rest of the season, right? Like episode one, they arrive at Winterfell. Episode two will probably end with like the white walkers arriving at winterfell so like there's going to be a lot of talking and bullshit to get through in episodes one and two what do you think about it was what it kind of sounds like to me how do you feel about it yeah it sounds like a bad porno uh to be honest (laughs) it it sounds like it's gonna be dialogue 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 and then it's gonna be dick 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 and then it's gonna be some dialogue 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 and then dick 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 again I, i mean that's what it really sounds like um and I mean, I I don't mind a little bit of dialogue. I just a whole lot of conversations really do need to happen. And um, I was just really trying to be funny there, guys. Uh, I don't really think that, that it's gonna be a porno. Well, no, Solid it's gonna joke. be a little. It, it's gonna be a little bit of a porno. Um, no, I, I really think that, like you guys were saying, it, there's going to be a lot of dialogue that needs to happen. I mean, we could go through the litany of conversations that need to happen. Um, I think that 
we're going to get the main conversations, you know, like uh, John and Arya and, um, you know, We'll, we may get Sansa and the Hound, um, you know, some of those ones that we've been waiting on to get the payoff for, um, even Sansa and and um, and Tyrion. Um, but I think anything that is outside of that, we're not going to get. You're just going to have to get left hanging. And and I think that is a byproduct of of this very small, shorter, condensed uh, season. And then, you know, just because they supersize some of the episodes, I think it, it really is going to be, you know, dick, 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 <laughs> action, 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 um, and, and, you know, very fast pace. But I think, you know, they're going to spend the two, two episodes on the setup. Um, there may be a little bit of action, but not very much, but it's going to be set up, set up, set up, dialogue, 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 and yeah, then... And then they're going to go, um, go into the action, the, the get the money shot. And uh, <laughs> you like the por- I listen. You landed the porno reference perfect. I, I dude. I, yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I have like a little checkbox I just check off to see. Well, it. we've already we've already checked off Lord of the Rings and we've checked off porno, so I think we're good tonight. That's it for tonight, guys. We'll be back next week. Um, no, but you know what? I I think that for me. Everybody's talking about who they want to see reunite in those first couple of episodes. And everybody's talking about if we don't get like a long 10 minute scene with John and Arya finally reuniting, then I'm, it's going to feel like, um, you know, I'll have blue balls or something. I just want to see um, Arya and the Hound reunite. Like, if we don't get 30 minutes of Arya running up and jumping into the arms of the Hound as he spins her around and like, you know, like the, the music from Titanic plays. I will be really fucking disappointed because that's what I want to see. That's all I care about. But um, you know what? That's exciting news. I'm pretty sure this news is going to be solid. You're going to be hearing about it all over the internet for the next couple of days. So um, you heard it here on Take the Black. Um, 60-minute episodes, episode one and two. 80-minute episodes, three, four, five, and six. Let's move on to the teaser. Let's break it down really quick. So. Isis, we just got through talking to you about porno, and so now I want to know. I want to know what were you thinking when you saw this teaser? How how did you feel about it? You had your little cinnamon bun walking down the uh, Winterfell crypts, and he got a lot of uh, screen time. How'd you feel about it? Oh yeah, no, he he got a lot of screen time, and he had the most like voice you know, overs, if you will, because, you know, you see Sansa, Arya, and um, John going down. And, um, you know, it, I thought it was really telling, you know, that San, uh, John has always been, you know, his his uncle's son, if you will. And um, I really felt that that was poignant, that he, you know, there, there was something said about him. I've always talked about the parallels between Sansa and her mother and how much alike that she is her mother. And, and not only that, but how she has learned from the mistakes um, from her mother and, and her own follies and, um, and has been doing a lot better. I mean, she's still Sansa, but she's done such a great job. I felt so bad that Arya didn't get a moment with her dad or, or, you know, just something. Cause I felt like what he was saying was directed to John. Whereas John had his mother talk to him, you know, like, 
please protect him. And, um, and then, you know, him saying, um, John's uncle saying, you know, oh, you're, you know, you may not be my son or, you know, you're my son by, no, you don't have my name. Um, you have my blood, but you may but not have my name. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, I just felt like that was a really, I, I felt bad because Arya didn't have that moment. And I, and they're so in such individuals. Um, it really kind of hurt my heart to see that she didn't get that. Like she didn't get that kind of payoff, um, if you will. And um, I would have really have liked to seen one that it was a voiceover just directly to her. Um, you know, even if it was not one of her family members. So, um, so I really wish that that had, you know, kind of happened, uh, but it really loved the, the imagery of the trailer, uh, or the teaser, if you will. And then not only that, but, you know, here you had the feather, which was the feather that was placed in the hand, um, uh, in Liliana's hand at season one in episode one. Uh, if yeah. I, it, yeah. In episode one of the feather, um, I thought that was a really great callback. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about the feather really quick. Though. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Smith, what happened to that feather later on in like season five? Yeah. So in season five, it's a little unclear what happens to it. So in season five, uh, Sansa's down in the crypts right before Littlefinger leaves Winterfell to jump around Westeros in his time machine. Um, and she picks up the feather. And I thought, I remembered her putting it back in uh, Liana's in hand, in the statue's hand. But when I went and rewatched it, she kind of twirls it around in her hand as her and Littlefinger are talking. Um, and then they both kind of walk out of the crypts. So we really don't know what happens to the feather. Um, I mean, we could assume that maybe she put it back after they were done talking, but we really didn't see it on screen. So for all we know, you know, Sansa took it up to her room or who knows what she did with it. So, um, but it was a nice callback. I just wish it was a little more clear what ended up happening to it. So, well, let's also talk about the fact that Catelyn was in the tombs as well. Um, she's not a Stark, and only Starks get buried in the Winterfell crypts. Um, back in October, Sophie Turner said that the trailer didn't really have anything to do with Season 8, but it could have. Um, you know, you know, John, uh, Kit Harrington, I almost called him Jon Snow. Kit Harrington said at the end of Season 5 that he wasn't coming back in Season 6. And whenever Sophie Turner was being asked about season eight at the New York Comic Con, she did say that um, she tried to say a couple things and then backtracked. And then she goes, well, I had a statue made and it was really weird and cool looking. And uh, but it didn't really have anything to do with season eight. Yeah. But, and, they, and Entertainment Weekly reported that the trailer does not actually have any footage from season eight. So... <laughs> There you I go. Mean, again, I mean, again, yeah, they could just be bullshitting, but to me, it didn't feel like actual scene because if this ends up being a scene from the show, it's kind of awkward and weird, right? Like, well, how, this is how, would the, how would the Night King freeze the crypts without them realizing the Night King was there because he's riding an undead dragon? You know, uh, because I mean? like, Brand's the Night King, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna okay, 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 hold up. Problem, I gotta ask you. So a lot of theories out there say that the Night King is going 
He's, don't, yeah, make, he, don't make me do it to him. Don't make me do, do it, it to him. You will do it. You will do it. Listen, a lot of theories out there say the Night King is going to attack Winterfell and raise the dead from the crypts. And they're gonna, he's gonna, or maybe his bride's down there or some kind of shit. So you tell me, is, is Bran a time-traveling sculptor? And did he make those statues? <laughs> and or is he the Night King? I can't. I can't do this. I'm taking off my headphones. I can't do this. I'm not doing this today. Not with you people. No. Listen. Oh, God. So just to start at the the first one that is the dumbest one is the idea that, like, Bran went back in time and carved – rock to look like shitty versions of his siblings so that they could find them before now <laughs> no one ever said hey who the fuck are these people it's <laughs> better john being the king of the north had right. the collapsed versions of the tunnels cleaned out because he wanted to see all of his ancestors and then that's when they find themselves oh God. have they have they talked about their being collapsed they, they they well the <laughs> The collapsed tunnels, I think, is only in the books. But I mean, right? But, so they haven't talked about that in the show. So no, no, yeah, yeah. This is obviously fun bullshit. I'm just saying, you know. It's, see, but that's just it, David. It, it's not fun anymore. We cannot <laughs> even let people have fun with dumb theories because then they're going to morph it into a real thing, and then they're going to get really, really passionate about it. And then all of a sudden, I'm being told why actually, I don't know, fucking Tyrion's, Tyrion's a fetus. Yeah, no, Tyrion, even worse, Tyrion's like a fetus from a Star Trek. Whatever the hell that shit was a few seasons ago. Like, I, it's just time traveling fetus. Yeah, that it's like guys, listen. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of fun to be had with this universe, but and I think we've talked about it before. There is the actual canon, like canonical things that are going to happen, and then there's, you know, stuff that we like to pretend maybe then did there, or will then happen. Then Luke, Luke Skywalker falls to the dark side and actually becomes Darth Vader himself. So yeah, yeah no, I, I have to say one of the best parts about season eight is a lot of these arguments are going to be ended once and for all. Right? No, they won't. You know, they won't. They will. They, they'll live. They'll live they'll, on. There will always be the opportunity for people to say it's going to be included in the collector's edition edition box set. No, because half of these half these people are going to be dead, right? Like a lot of these characters that were theorizing. Oh, I thought you meant like half the people on Reddit were going to be dead. Like, are they? No, no. I'm just saying half the half of these characters are going to be dead, right? So, like, we're not going to be theorizing about what Sansa is going to be doing three seasons from now because. She might be dead. You know, like all these people were theorizing a lot of them are going to be dead. That's very crass of you to say, sir. I'm not – she was the first name I thought of. But, I, you know, maybe as a Freudian slip. But what I'm saying is is a lot Sansa of these people – No. A lot of them are going to be dead, and we're not going to have to theorize that they're time-traveling sculptors anymore. And that's going to be great. I'd like to point out I took no part in that. So there was – <laughs> there's just there's just so much about the, the the theories that came out from this trailer and I I truly think that this 
you know, teaser, whatever you want to call it, was completely symbolic. It was com- just like the, you know, the table that was turning to ice on one side and fire on the other side, you know, that happened several weeks before this one. This was just a a symbolic thing about the Starks facing, you know, head on with their inevitable future, which is death and the ice and the Night King and everything else. So, I mean, that's that's all it is. I a think lot of people, a lot of people freaked out because Jon Snow's statue looks like uh, I've used the joke several times getting old, but I'll still use it. Old man Wolverine or yeah. the lead singer from um, Motorhead or whatever. Yeah, I can't believe nobody has pointed out how much it looks like Ned's statue. <sighs> like, like it because if you remember, Ned had this really square face on his statue. Right. And Sansa and Arya were like, they should have gotten somebody that knew his face to make this carving. Like, it doesn't look like him at all. That's the same kind of face that John has there. Is it's like a square jawed look that you know really isn't John's face. And because people pointed out how little it looked like John, none of the statues yeah. really look like that. You know, well, Sansa looks, that... Sansa looks like she's she's smelling someone's fart. Like who? Sansa farted. wasn't that far. Off. Oh yeah, she's looking up with her nostril flared, and then um, Arya looks like one of those little frozen children. At the White Witch's Palace in Narnia, like she caught, like she went to go steal some Turkish delight, and somebody froze her, and that's where Arya ended up. Like, like the there was a guy who did the artwork, the 3D artwork for the statues, and he did he rendered the artwork, and it looked great. He did the dragon pit in season seven. He did the White Hunt with like the the lake and all that shit. He's he's done a lot of stuff for HBO before. He did um, rendered the artwork, and John's. Looked like the King in the North, Jon Snow, with his his uh, the gorget or gorget or whatever the gorget is called, the metal piece of armor that goes across his his neck, and it had the the opposing direwolves. He had his fur collared cloak, and he had his hair pulled back in his man bun, and it looked like Jon Snow. Uh, uh, Sansa's looked like she had a little more of an aquiline face, and Arya looked like Arya. These were weird looking statues. I'm not sure why. David Nutter, who actually directed the trailer or the teaser, decided to go with such odd choices. But um, I think it's what they had. And I think um, it reminds me, I think I said this on Twitter, it reminds me of when people were losing their shit because Shaggy Dog's head wasn't big enough. To be a dire wolf was a shaggy he dog. Wasn't. He was t- he was fucking tiny. Shaggy yeah, dog. Yeah, right. Was tiny. And and everybody and everybody was like, ah, the the North remembers, and uh, that wasn't actually the dog, and they're not gonna betray the Starks and all that stuff. And then at like when the season was over, and of course all that did happen. Like one of the producers was like, yeah, we commented that the head was small to the props department. And they were like, yeah, who's gonna notice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was one of the ones leading the charge. When we read the spoilers and they said the Umbers will turn on the Starks, I was like, bullshit. No, they won't. That's not Shaggy Dog. That's bullshit. And so, yeah, no, I was leading the charge on that one. Fuck that. That was not Shaggy So the, these ugly statues are the the Shaggy Dog head of this season. They pretty much are for right now. But um, I don't know. Hey, Smith- can, I, can I pipe in real quick? Yeah. Oh, I, I will, uh, I'll have you note that I, I love the fact that they really did capture kind of the essence of Arya and hers uh they didn't try to put her in a dress 
they they captured her pretty well. She's in pants, you know, she's got her, you know, of course, needle with her. Um, she didn't, you know, I think they probably, you know, if history was there, they would have captured her as a, a lady she, in a dress and everything. But I loved how the show didn't do that. The show captured her her true essence of, you know, that well, she is really no one, um, even though she Brand, is that's how, that's how That's how Bran remembers her, and that's why he did that, that her that way. Well, okay. Stop it. <laughs> I'm not going to even this is the thing is that I'm just not going to even go ahead and dive into that troll shit so uh, you're trolling me and I'm just not going to put up with it and so <laughs> and, and I would like to say that Catelyn um, you know the way her hair was done in her statue is exactly the same way it, it's done for Sansa you know I mean she's dressed very similar uh, the only thing is that uh you know Sansa has her hands clasped you know right in front of her which looks like she's more guarded um you know probably because she's learned a couple of things uh and and that's just the way she carries herself and then when you look at the the one for Catelyn um she has her hands kind of wide open like you know uh it almost looks like one of those uh, weeping angels from from uh, from the uh, Doctor Who kind of thing. That's what she really kind of looks like. Is a oh my god! Angel. You just uh, those things really freak me the fuck out. Why did exactly. you exactly? Her- Th- that's because that's what she she looks like a freaking. Well, Catelyn looked like Lady Stoneheart. Let's just all be honest. Cat- Catelyn's statue is oh, representative of Lady Stoneheart not being in the show, so- and I'm fine with that. Yeah. So. But I just I think it's really interesting that here you have these statues and and you guys kind of hit on something where, you know, these older statues may have not captured the true essence of, um, you know, of the other Starks. But I feel like the these other ones that we're talking about, the newer ones really genuinely do capture uh, that essence, whether or not they look weird or whatever the case may be. But I think these are a lot closer resemblance to the actual person than the ones that came before. Right, 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 right. So, um, you know, there was a lot of cool things I was just trying to, like, tie some shit together, but... You did quite... In fact, out of all of us, you've done better than anybody else. Like, you didn't, you didn't, like, um, go into some crazy theories. You didn't over-explain things. You didn't get mad and throw your uh, headset down like Corey Thone did. So, you actually... Isis is the most professional one on this podcast. So there you go. Anyway, um, so let's. What else do we need to talk about on this trailer? We caught everything, right? Like they walked through the crypts. The only one, the only thing I did not like was Arya didn't pass by any statue. We had, um, we had John passing by Lyanna, and then Ned. We had Sansa passing by Catelyn. Catelyn. And Catelyn was talking at the same time Arya was walking down the hall. I wish they had a statue for uh, her to pass by. Like, you know, they always, in the books and on the show, they mention how Arya, like Ned said, you know, you remind me of your Aunt Lyanna. So maybe she could have passed Lyanna too. I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, no, I, just, I, I agree with you. I, that's, that's where I felt like she was kind of cheated out of that, um, you know, kind of remembrance. Um, from her family you know even when her dad maybe even something about when her when she wanted lessons in sword fighting or you know some tender moment 
excuse me, uh, that was really just to her. I think that was, hell, a tender moment between her, you know, with with anyone. Um, I, I just, I don't know. It, if I mean, there was somebody missing out of this whole equation. Hot pie. Hot pie wasn't there, and I'm very upset by it. Um, that's who he, that's who Arya could have passed by. That's we could have got some closure on hot pie. No, but I think the the one that's missing out of this um, teaser was Danny. Daenerys needed to be in there. She's actually no. a star. Oh no. wait, no, not Daenerys. No. <laughs> no, stop. Who? Who then? Rickon, come on, dude. Oh my God, Rickon! Oh my God. No, yes. I like I like that Danny wasn't part of the trailer because I like that it was the Starks united. Obviously, the person, the Stark that wasn't there is Bran Stark. Um, but, you know, the the Crips aren't ADA, you know, compliant. So <laughs> it, it's hard to get that wheelchair down the down the steps into the into the Crips. Uh, and there's no Hodor, rest in peace, uh, to carry Bran down into the Crips. So, um, yeah, I Could mean, Bran, Bran was the noticeable absence. So, but I think that was... Like the rest of the trailer, I think it was very symbolic. Uh, all you know, kidding aside, I think it was symbolic of the fact that Bran, yes, he's a Stark, but I think he's moved past that, right? He he's moved past. Yeah, he's, he's no longer Bran Stark. Not really. Right. That's what he said. I'm no longer Bran Stark. Not really. Right. He's not a Stark. He's not a Lannister. He's he's just he's moved beyond that, right? And so I think that was I think that's the real reason we. We saw him, and and I think that we're going to see in season eight that the Starks that we saw in this episode are going to be the ones like literally fighting, right? And and I don't think I don't think Bran's going to be fighting in the traditional sense. He's going to be. You I know, mean, he he could warg somebody. He could warg like. I don't know. And, and he could. I just don't see him being that. I don't see him being an active participant in what goes down in season eight i think he's gonna be he's more of a behind the scenes like knowledge you know giving people you know a key bit of information here or there as as season eight unfolds i don't think it's gonna be him basically bran is gonna be elrond and um he's gonna give them like important things to do right he's not gonna be He's not gonna warg into a dragon and take on Viserion or something like that. So uh, yeah, I just don't think he's gonna be an active part, and I think that's why they excluded him from. The I'm really trail. just upset that Corey Thone hasn't given us any Lord of the Rings. Um, I've do- I've dropped two Lord of the Rings, um, points, and Corey Thone is way behind on the Lord of the Rings points. So whatever, man. Don't be an active participant in this podcast. Whatever. Are we still doing this? I've been. Miles away. Sorry. <laughs> okay, guys. So um, that was a pretty great teaser. I'm I'm glad that somebody brought up Rick on, like um, you did, Smith. That was really good. But that's who Arya could have passed by. Well, you know, the, you know the fact that John made a point in season six to say bury my brother in the crypts where he belongs. That would have been really nice to have him down there. Um, but oh well, I guess. Everybody forgot about or Rob. It would have been nice to see oh Rob God. start too. God damn, Rob! Like you know, yeah. I guess I guess with Rick on, if you're if you don't zig and zag, 
you don't get put in the crypts, right? So yeah. whatever. I, I really was just symbolic of who's gonna, you know, what they're facing in season eight. And I think it was interesting that everybody pretty much loved this teaser, right? It was amazing. Yeah, and and it was yeah. I mean, hard. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it was hard to find anybody that didn't like it. And I think it's pretty, you know, because they had David Nutter direct it, and then uh, Ramin Dijawadi, he did an Ramin original. Ramin, I said it once, okay. <laughs> I I can't do it twice, but I. I I think that it's cool that they they brought that talent to a teaser, right? It and it I think it's kind of it symbolizes how much they're really putting into see, you know, into season 8 that they would pull that kind of talent just for a little teaser that anybody could have directed and we still would have gone crazy over at this point, but the fact that we really loved it because the amount of talent that was involved in it should you know, it should mean good things for season eight. So it really should. So, all right. Um, I think we've done pretty good on this. Uh, before we sign off, the 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 um, what would what happened today? The uh, Oscars Oscar noms were announced, and uh, you know we don't get a chance to do a lot of beyond the wall talking on Take the Black podcast. We're gonna do that today, just for a little bit. And I let's talk about how. Black Panther did for the first time a Marvel Cinematic Universe film was nominated for a whole bunch of stuff. So, uh, phone, I know you were ready to get in on this. Like, how you feel the noms went down today? Uh, this was a pretty shit year for the Oscars. I don't really get what they're doing with a lot of these nominations. Um, uh, if we're going to talk about Black Panther, Black Panther shouldn't be nominated for Best Picture. It's not that good of a movie. Neither should Bohemian Rhapsody. It has no business being up there. I definitely um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Actually, actually Vice. Good. I could even listen to Vice being not good enough to be take. Like I don't understand. Black Panther is good. Do not get me wrong. I'm not taking the shit on the movie. What I am saying is the Oscars. This is this is some pretty. It's like, you know, you guys. If you really wanted to 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 get more minority people up there, you have a movie called If Bill Street Could Talk that you did nominate a few people for acting that has gotten better reviews and than than Bohemian Rhapsody or Vice. Um, Black Panther was a really fun movie, but it's full of problems. Like if you go back and watch it without the, the fog of how the release was just so exciting and it, it was an action, it was a cultural event. And I it feel really like was. that, I feel like that made it a little bit bulletproof to criticisms. Uh, but we're far enough removed from it now that I think we can say that like that movie has got some of the worst landing comedy of any uh, Marvel movie. So there are so many jokes in there that land like bricks on, I don't know, other bricks. There's uh, it's also got a really rushed second act that just feels like it comes. And I don't know. I don't know. I just got lots of problems. And then Bohemian Rhapsody, it, it just, I don't know. That movie didn't do great with critics. I don't know what it's doing up there. Uh, everybody agreed that Rami Malik, however you say his name, Malik was really great as Freddy, I, but yeah. But that the the movie had a lot of problems. And plus, you know, there's the the issue with, for me is that you know that movie could have been infinitely better had they made the original plan for it into a movie instead of what we got. Uh, but I am excited for a movie like Black Klansman to pick up nominations thought that movie was so good and then roma 
uh, you know, it's uh, it's in Spain. It's not in English, and it's picking up nominations like that. Also, Roma Stars is the, Stars Born is super overrated too. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, Roma is really. If you haven't had a chance to check out Roma, I actually decided my wife and I watched it over uh, a couple weekends ago, and it was really, really good. So, um, Roma, I I'm, I was not surprised to see Roma up there. I think that the Oscars are overcompensating for making that extra category they did, and everybody shit on that extra category. So I kind of feel like they're over overcompensating. Um, and what's going to be bad about this is what if what are the repercussions of this? Right. So um, what happens when um, Captain Marvel, the first female led superhero movie in Marvel Universe is really fucking good and it gets nothing? Well, I don't know. They they already had that issue with Wonder Woman where. Right, right. Everybody really liked to lie to themselves that it was a really good movie. <laughs> it it wasn't. It was fine. It was the best DC had to offer. It wasn't uh, bad. It wasn't bad. The third act was trash. Uh but it's yeah, it it's uh the I don't think it's gonna be that issue. I, I really think that um I don't know, Black Panther to me feels a little pandery. And I hope I'm not coming off as a jackass when I say that, but that the Oscars are like, well, we want it. We definitely want to nominate at least one super successful movie so that maybe people will watch for that. They won't. And then, uh, you know, one of the, we got accused of being, you know, Oscar. So white several years in a row and all that. So black Panther, <laughs> everybody and black, black Klansman. Yeah, well, Black, well, Black Klansman is a Spike Lee movie that legitimately was excellent and had was one of the most interesting and unique like no, movies like that movies. I've Don't seen. Wrong. I'm just saying, it, Oscar's so white, so they put two movies of Black M. So there you go. Well, then you also have the Green Room or Green Book. I mean, not Green Room. Which Green Book was really good. I enjoyed the Green Book. There's a lot of problems around the Green Book that are coming to light. A, a lot of them I don't yeah, care I, about, I, but yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that on the pop, the the green book being problematic. Um, you know, enlighten and, me because I, I I know I've read a few things, but I'm just not really sure of all the problems yet. I know there was a few things so that came out about the, the Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, the the writer of the of the screenplay um, is the son of the driver of the the guy who plays Viggo Mortensen's you know uh, father. He, I did not know that. And. And so he wrote it, you know, based off of of that. Uh, the thing was is that it was never corroborated with the family of of the man. Uh, and not only that, you know, the family has said that this is just a, a book of fairy tales. It, it's not real. That none of that stuff really happened. That they were not friends. That you know, that it was an employee employer. Uh, there's a, a really great NPR article, um, and I believe there was a, you know, they had a conversation with the family, but uh, I read the, the entire article, and it, and it was, I mean, there was no fact-checking that went on whatsoever, um, to the point where, you know, when they found out that this was happening, or I, I believe that the, the guy who wrote the screenplay um, asked years ago if the family would cooperate, and the family was like, mm, I don't think so. Uh, you know, this is this is not the kind of story that uh, that they that they felt like it was the right story. And um, 
And so he he just went on without him. And then years later, finally got the story made. Is that what you heard, Thone? At least that's what I read on NPR. Yeah, that and that kind of stuff, uh, I think it is somewhat problematic. Like I said, but also, I don't know, it's a movie. Like, Black Klansman also catches a lot of shit for, um, you know, the way that they handled the... Uh, like his partner played by Adam Driver and, and some of the, the the other elements, the non-black elements of the movie, trying to soften them more and stuff like that. And, and then, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody just kind of really doesn't do much about Freddie's sexuality. And yeah. so, like, a lot of these movies, you know, really skirt some of the issues within them, I think. so. That, and then, of course, there's the the whole me too aspect of the green book where you know there've been some in the past allegations against like Peter Farrelly and then also i don't know this whole thing about Vigo Mortensen saying the n word at one point who gives a shit like that was so long ago and and it was not in con- we don't even know the context of it and Mahershala Ali's like no no y'all don't get it like Vigo's straight up and is awesome so i'm willing to take his word for it like, yeah. you know, I, I think I there's 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 like habitual stuff and then there's one off things. Seems like Vigo made a mistake. And, and I think that he's definitely, you know, moved on from it and everything. But um, like all of these, all of these movies, like the ones that really approach issues like head head up, like like Vice and Roma and stuff like those like Vice didn't pull any punches on, on Cheney. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I. I respect them for that. I, I think the movie narratively isn't great, but I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot of this whole batch here outside of Roma. Like, I don't, I don't think any of these movies are going to be like black Panther is going to be memorable because it's an action movie. That's part of the Marvel universe. And I think that like black Klansman is going to have its place in the Spike Lee universe and all that kind of stuff. But that's, and then Roma is legitimately good and will probably win best picture. So that's just really forgettable. Well, I, I, I will, at least I got nominated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, for me, I really felt like some real good standouts for me, as far as, um, um, if Beale street could talk, uh, Barry Jenkins did an Mm -hmm. amazing job. Um, really, really just, it, it touched me, it, you know, in my heart. Um, Roma absolutely loved watching a movie that I actually understood all the words in it. Hey. Um, so uh, it was all in, in, you know, it was really, just really great. Alfonso, um, just really knows how to strike an, a very emotional, you know, chord. Um, and that's just, I mean, he just, he knows how to do it. And, and I really appreciate that. Um, I did watch the Black Klansman and I actually I really enjoyed the Black Klansman. It was a really great movie. Um, you know, it, it was definitely one of those that I was very I was happy to see it did well. Um, but some other ones that I was really happy. I mean, I liked Black Panther. Do I think it should win an Oscar? I don't think it was Oscar level. But I still enjoy the hell out of that movie. I own it and I watch it several times. Um, but, I mean, I watched Deadpool too. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I really thought that was really good. Um, Bao. I was really excited hell about yeah. seeing. 
uh, that one nominated for a short film because I really enjoyed the hell out of that. I mean, I don't know. I cried my eyeballs out watching yeah. that. I haven't seen the other short animated, but they better be damn good if they're going to be Bao because Bao yeah. is glorious. I didn't watch oh Bao. I haven't, I've not seen it. What, what, what's the context? Uh, oh, dude, no, dude, we, gotta, I just don't I like, can't, I can't yeah. even do it. Yeah. Okay. I, I it, right. it won't make any sense. All I can say is it's, it's about empty nest syndrome and like your connection uh-huh. with your parents and stuff. So other yeah. than that, I'm, it's yeah. all, that's all I'm going to say. I'll have to check I, it, that out then. it is pretty incredible. Um, you know, as far as stories go in, in, in such a short time, um, that it'll just make you, uh, get all into your feelings and then want you to instantly call a family member that you haven't talked to in a very long time. So uh, it, it's really great. I recommend that you get to see it. Um, and then the other one that I, I'm not going to lie, I, I stood up and, and clapped when I heard about it uh, was about the Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Into Man, the Spider-Verse. Let me, that was let me tell you something. Movie. That was an incredible incredible movie i am rooting for any out of all the movies out of anything i want them to win because i feel like what they were able to achieve in that movie was just incredible i mean they talk about the 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 what you know what black panther did this did the exact same thing but for the animated verse and i just i'm completely here for it and the the thing about the end of the spider verse is it was such um, a good story and told with such heart and they finally brought the miles morales version on and i and i don't care that it's not live version you know like i'm fine with it being the animated style that it was um i always wanted donald glover to be miles morales but whatever um the animated version was great and i was happy and i was there for it and um you know having like the different spider-man like you know, different Peter Parkers, the noir Spider-Man, Spider-Ham was fucking great. And the fact that that got Oscar buzz and, and is, you know, the possibility of an animated comic book movie winning an Oscar is, I mean, that's the time we're living in now. That would have never happened even, what, five years ago? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, we're, we're talking about an animated movie that is so diverse that has so many different, you know, perspectives. Yeah, you got Spider-Gwen, so you had, you had a strong female character, you had a strong black character in Miles Morales, and they were the main, those were the two main, like, you want, you really cared about those, so, I don't know, I thought that was, I thought, I thought it was pretty amazing, pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, I mean, we even had an anime, you know, spider anime girl or whatever um <laughs> i can't even remember but uh there but like i said it was just it was to me when i watched it i knew when i was in the movie theater watching it with my my child and and i i'm grateful that i have a child that wants to see movies still with me um because then i can watch these and people don't look at me weird um that you know i i really sat there and i kept on looking at my my husband and my kid and going man this is good this is some good shit and um and like i said i'm glad that they were they've been you know nominated they've been congratulated in this way and i think that there's just the sky's the limit if they keep on going so um 
that's just my my two cents on that. Uh, but I, I'm I'm rooting for. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm rooting for Regina King for um, if Beale Street. I'm I'm rooting for Beale Street. I, I, I that was on my list, and yeah. I know the Smith. I know Smith hasn't talked, but I don't think he has much to add. I guess I don't know if he's not a movie guy. Oh no, he would have told. I us haven't if he seen did. any of those <laughs> he's, movies. He's seen Black okay, Panther. Yeah. He's I've seen Black Panther. Panther. I've not seen any of the okay. other movies. This actually is interesting when I when you go through and look, you know, at you know some of the nominees that are that were picked up this year. There's a lot of them that, that feel like, wow, that <laughs> I can't believe this person's never like won an Oscar or been nominated for best director. So like just starting with director, Spike Lee gets his first ever best director nomination. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that blows um, my mind. And, you know, so to me, I think he might be a, a dark horse to win that, even though I think Alfonso Cuaron is is going to be up on stage a bunch with Roma. And then you look at actress, which is, you know, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, actress to me is is a weird mix of people like Glenn Close, uh, who or really just Glenn Close, who has won a bunch then you have uh, Ulitsa Apricio and from Roma that was kind of a surprise nominee. And then Lady Gaga, everybody expected. Olivia Coleman, who I love, being nominated for The Favorite, a movie I haven't seen because it looked bananas and I didn't know if I'd enjoy it and don't want to spend uh, yeah. the money to go see a movie I don't really know much about. The, I second the... that. I love all the actresses in it, and I'm but, but I'm like, mm, I don't know. This looks a little crazy, a little cray-cray. I don't know who to pick because I feel like Lady Gaga might be the favorite in that, but I I also I just have a a problem. I mean, she's she's a solid actress. Don't get me wrong, but like that role, like she got it because she could sing like that, right? It's like well, she's a singer. This is for acting. I don't know. That's kind of a dick thing to say. I'm going for Olivia Coleman. I, I to to be honest on that one. If for for leading yeah. role, I'm going for Olivia Coleman just because I love everything else that she's ever been in. So I'm going with her. I'm rolling okay. with her. Okay, best actors a really fun one to me because you have two people that don't have Oscars. I don't think Viggo Mortensen has an Oscar. Um, Did he not get one for Lord of the Rings: Return of the King? No, and he didn't get it for Eastern Promises or A History of Violence either. Uh, or as Best Supporting Actor in G.I. Jane, which he 100% should have because oh he stole God. every scene in that movie, every scene mm-hmm. he was in. So, But Willem Dafoe, back-to-back Oscar nominations. 2018, The Florida Project, such a good movie. You have to see it. And then uh, Eternity's Gate this year, he played Vincent Van Gogh. Again, this is a guy who's never won an Oscar. Got his first nomination all the way back in like the wow. late eighties with Platoon. Holy so shit. he could he could be another dark horse, like a makeup kind of a war. The Oscars are prone to do that. But then Vigo Mortensen also has been just such a dependable actor. I think that Rami Malik, I have to say his name, is the favorite to win because again he sings, but this is an actor singing, so I have a less of a problem with it. Bradley Cooper, I don't think, is gonna win. In this category, I think there's just too much up against him because you also have Christian Bale as Dick Cheney, which is one of the weirdest. So weird. I know, and he's so good, but and it's he's just so like, good. Yeah, like yeah. he pulled it off, dude. Like 
Yeah, I agree. When I heard that, when that, when I heard that they that he was doing that movie Vice, I was like, in what world does that make sense? And then he freaking pulls it off, dude. That I, I mean, I, I would say that's a toss up, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's going to be Rami Malek, but <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised oh, to no, see. No, no, yeah. oh, no, yeah, no, no. Oh God. Okay, so now we're gonna have to do Oscar predictions, then I guess. We'll uh, do one for the next one. I'm just because yeah, yeah. I wanted to because we'll you mentioned it earlier with Regina King. Yes. Another Regina. first Oscar nomination. Ridiculous. Secondly, she should be given an honorary Oscar for her work in the Boondocks. But uh, <laughs> like, yeah, Amy. I, I mean, Amy Adams obviously and Emma Stone have turned into perennial. Oscar contenders, Rachel Weiss, why say we say her name, you know, she is up and down, you know, and showing up, she, she's already won an Oscar for the constant gardener, I think back in like 2005, maybe, but yeah, I don't know. To me, this is Regina King. So I think Regina King gets this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, with it, you. I, I'm with you on that one. I'm second. I'll second that. And I'll, then, but in the supporting category, um, I'm a little torn there because we have, you know, Adam Driver for the Black Klansman, which Adam Driver, he's a great actor. Like yeah. he is oh, yeah. really, really good. And, and I, I mean, I think my only interaction with him was through Star Wars because I didn't watch the TV show on HBO that I will not mention. Um, anyway, so I didn't watch that. So I didn't know who he was. And my only you know, that was my only introduction to him was was through Star Wars. And when I watched him in Black Klansman, man, oh, my gosh, I was just like this. This dude has got it. Um, but you also have Sam Rockwell, who has won Oscars before, has been nominated multiple times. Uh, you also have um, I, I'm going to butcher his name, Marshall. Maharshala. Thank you. Um, who, you know, has won an Oscar before, um, you know, in the whole de- Oscar debacle. <laughs> and who, and who, and he's also, he's all, he's also killing it in true detective right now. So, yeah. And he, yes, he's also killing it there, but Sam Elliott, I, I, he's my dark horse. Well, yeah. And that's someone again, you know, whenever I look at this supporting category, the, the big thing that jumps out to me is that, Two of them have already got Oscars, Maharshala and Sam. And then Adam Driver's young and has his best work ahead of him. Richard E. Grant has been a consistent actor for years, for sure. But Sam Elliott, to me, this feels a lot like um, when Sandra Bullock won her Oscar. If you go back and look at that category, it was full. It was either people that had already won multiple Oscars or new, young, up-and-comers. Then you had Sandy Bullock, who does a movie every year is someone everyone loves and respects and uh, was a working actress and had been a working actress forever. And she kind of, it was like, hell yeah, you know what? Sandy Bullock gets an Oscar. That's how I feel about Sam Elliott. Yeah. Not to mention he was the best part of a star is born. Yes. Yes, he was him and that fucking mustache. Oh my God. <laughs> they, it truly like there's a scene in a star is born. And, and I, I truly think a star is born was could if if someone else would have directed that movie, it would have been so good. <laughs> but um, the the editing in it is so frantic. But the scene where uh, uh, Bradley Cooper tells him that you know he wasn't 
copying his dad. He was copying his big brother, oh. you know, played played by Sam Elliott, and, and like yeah. he tears up and like rips ass out of the driveway and like throws it in reverse and stuff. It's a really heavy scene. There's lots of great scenes like that. Sam Elliott has been consistently dependable and fun. And is a guy that, you know, gets typecasted because of his sound and his look and stuff. So I would not be surprised. I agree with you. I see him walk away with the Oscar. But I've said that before about people like Sam Elliott, only to see, you know, young pups get up there and win and, and shit. So, you well, know, we'll a, see. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about my thought on Adam Driver. Before I had seen him in Star Wars. I, I watched like one or two episodes of Girls and I hated him. And when I when I knew he was cast as Kylo Ren in Star Wars, I was like, oh, fuck, I hate this guy because I hated him in Girls. But then I started reading more about him and he is method as fuck, man. That guy throws every last ounce of himself into a role. And so when I started reading more about him, he's nothing like the character that he played on Girls. He's nothing like he's nothing like Kylo Ren. He's nothing like any of the roles that he plays. And so I would be excited if he he won. Um, but yeah, I I'd have to go with Sam Sam Elliott because you're right. I I liked I enjoyed A Star Is Born. The Sam Elliott without without Sam Elliott, I don't know how that movie works. So, Isis, real quick, let me ask you your biggest surprise and your biggest snub. What were they? Oh, my biggest snub? Biggest surprise. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that... Damn, you would ask me that. Um, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, that was definitely <laughs> my, my snub. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I mean... I, I think for me, you know, as far as when levels of, of TV sh- or excuse me, movies and stuff like that, I, I'm glad that um, Beale Street got nominated. Um, I was kind of uh, something. So you're that putting I, you're saying Beale Street was a snub for Best Picture. Yes, for Best okay. Picture. Um, but I mean, it did get nominated for other stuff. Yeah, but screenplay, I, actress, stuff. Yes, like that. Yeah. I felt like for me that was best picture and i would have i would have replaced it um a matter of fact i'm pulling it up right now is um i would have replaced it for the uh, black panther i mean if i if one of them had to go you know i agree i i would have said bill street belonged there uh before black panther before but you know what's crazy about you know what's crazy about that is that they can actually have up to 10 nominees for best picture if they get put on enough ballots which means that Bill Street didn't crack the top five at all for yeah. most voters. That just blows my mind. I anyway, know because if you if you watch it, it's such a it, there are so many like moments that that are I, I don't know maybe people can identify it. I don't know. For me, it was it was just I identified with it because I just felt like it was a, a human experience. But maybe it was something that not everybody could understand or. I don't know. It was just something inside of me that when I watched it, it, it gave me joy. And um, the, the acting was just incredible. I mean, it was just to me, I felt like that should have been. Um, so that was my snub for best picture was definitely supposed to be um, Beale Street should have been in there. And then what was the other one that you asked me? Your biggest surprise. <laughs> Black Panther. Well, 
I mean, if I had to guess, Black Panther, like everybody's jaw probably dropped and just like kind of looked and go, holy shit, did this just happen? It, you know, in, in, the, in the best picture. So for me, it was that. It was, it was Black okay. Panther. I mean, I was really, really shocked about that. Um, and not, not, ups, not upset, but for me, I felt like, yay, Black Panther was uh, nominated, but they don't stand a chance. Yeah, so and I, I agree. Like it is. I mean, I, I mean, it's to me, it was surprising for sure. But since everybody's hit on that, I'll say my biggest surprise was we've already talked about Spider Man. Uh, also, my biggest surprise was Buster Scruggs picking up not only best original oh. screenplay but best song for yes. when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings, which I really hope we get to see performed live. Because oh yes, then, then we would get, you know, um, oh, hell, it's, it's not, uh, what's his name? The the actor. It's not, it's not Tim Blake Nelson, right? It's the other guy. Um, yeah, I, can't, I can't remember his name, but yeah. I'm bad, I'm bad at remembering names. Uh, but yeah, like, we'll get him. And, you know, the, the other shooter... Quick draw artist from that is uh, a guy from Old Crow Medicine Show. Like really? he's one of he's one of the members of Old Crow, yeah. Which I, I, didn't, I didn't even I didn't recognize him at first. John, it's uh, no, it is Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, it was Tim Blake Nelson. See, I knew it. Tim Blake Nelson there is yeah yeah. So that's that's my biggest I surprise. Haven't watched that. It's I really haven't watched good. about the uh, the ballad of uh, uh, Buster Scruggs. I think that's on on Netflix. I haven't. Yeah, watched. it's it's a Netflix movie. Yeah, and, and it's, it's surprisingly the, really good. Can it's we so talk weird. about? Can we just talk about for a second too that how Netflix is you know really kind of pushing? You know, I, I think everybody was pretty shocked the first time it happened where um, you know Amazon or or uh, you know a Netflix movie was you know, recognize an original movie uh, was nominated, but how now we don't even talk about it anymore, but because now it's become, and, and this isn't a span of what, two, three years now. Yeah. That's how, that's what it's been about two or three years. Then streaming services. That they've really been consistently, the yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, like, yeah. that they've been consistently putting out Oscar worthy stuff netflix I mean, netflix and amazon both are represented at the oscars this year which is interesting to me for sure before we wrap on the oscars, hang on i'm not should... done oh my god <laughs> Corey, Corey <laughs> smith is going crazy day long smith is going crazy in the background but yeah go ahead. Care. Got... the uh, other I the other him. so there are two snubs that i want to shout out just as far as things that surprised me let's say the first one which Okay, whatever it was, Won't You Be My Neighbor not getting a Best <gasps> yes! Documentary nomination mm-hmm. because it was the highest grossing and the best reviewed um, documentary of the year. But legitimate criticism about it is that it really is just a bunch of clips thrown together. And it's kind of like an A&E documentary almost. So I get that still, though. P- I mean, made a lot of money. Everybody loves him kind of surprised the other one that i'm legitimately upset about is uh bo burnham's eighth grade going completely nominationless throughout this whole thing uh one of the highest reviewed movies of the year the fact that it didn't get a, a screenplay nom upsets me there was a lot of talk earlier in this year of elsie fisher the little girl in the movie getting a nomination she didn't get one which okay fine she's a kid but that that movie seriously it's got a 99 percent on rotten tomatoes it is 
and it, it was a indie smash. It it cleaned house at every festival it went to last year. The fact that it did it went nominationless. Uh, what is this movie kind of again? Eighth grade. See, no one. I don't apparently, even... no one's heard of it. So Bo Burnham, you know the 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 stand up comic that it's got to start on YouTube back in like two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, wrote and directed this movie called Eighth Grade about being in eighth grade, starring this little girl. And uh, it's got a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was the best-reviewed movie, or one of the top 10 re- reviewed movie of the year. Um, out of 237 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, 234 were positive. Wow. Um, it, it truly, like, if you just said in July, and it's produced by A24, who has been getting a lot of movies nominated for things. So yeah. I, I don't know how this movie fell through the cracks. This is going to be looked back at, in my opinion, as one of the biggest snubs of the year. Uh, the the same way we look back at, you know, movies from the 90s and go, wow, you can't believe you nominated that and didn't nominate this. It's This is going to be a bad one. I think this is a good year, too. And I'd love to do this on a podcast that um, I think it was I think it was Jack O'Brien from Cracked.com mm. now at the Daily Zeitgeist who said um, – <laughs> said that if you wanted to really have a good Oscars, you put it on a five-year delay. So this year we'd be giving out oh. the mo- the awards for movies from like 2015. Oh, wow. That's really because Because then you then you go back and look at the movies in 2015 that won awards and the ones that, were, that weren't even nominated and figure out the ones that actually stuck and were relevant, you know. So anyway – I love I love movies. I love the Oscars. So I love talking about them. We'll definitely talk about this more on one of our next podcasts. I think it's a good idea. Um, but um, Smith, before uh, before I say anything else, um, phone. I just wanted to know. I thought this was going to be a rant about how Christopher Robin didn't really get any. No, I was writer. disappointed. I was disappointed in that movie. Honestly, it could have been. <laughs> really? It could have been way better. It could have really? been way better. Okay. And I, it was okay. cute. As, it was cute as fuck. Don't get me wrong. It definitely but, was. Cute. Um, it could have been way better. I, and same goes to you, Mary Poppins. You're upset you didn't get nominated. Be a better movie. Sorry. It was. Oh, it was good. Well, it was maybe, cute. Maybe. Maybe we could quit. Quit doing so many of those. Like Disney, I get it. You've had some. Oh movies. no! Oh no! They're doing Hunchback of Notre Dame next oh, know, after Lion King. So just get rid. And I, can I, we I'm stop really calling these I, movies? I'm... Sorry, I was about to go on a rant. So go go rant, ran away, man. I, can we stop calling these movies live action remakes? They're fucking not. It's all CGI. <laughs> they said the same shit about the Jungle Book. Oh, is that a real tiger he's hanging out with? No, that's a <laughs> seat. These aren't real lions in Lion King. This is just animated you're just another animated movie it drives me crazy they keep calling them live action it's not that well Corey smith is choking everybody this is breaking news Corey smith uh, is choking on his mic everybody call 911 no Corey everybody smith. don't call 911 don't do it that's rude let's not do it but it sounds like he's dying in the background um no uh I'm I'm looking forward to uh, Aladdin. Anyway, um, Corey Smith, you said you got some breaking news before we sign off for the night. Yeah, I mean this is really important to those that listen to our podcast, but um, and particularly Corey Thone, um, KFC 
is launching a limited edition candle that smells like <gasps> it's crazy. It's only for sale in the UK. This isn't breaking news. Go away. You can ship from the UK. This isn't the 1700s, okay? <laughs> they won't sell it to me at we my Kansas address. Well, I don't. They, they don't, they don't like me. us. They don't <laughs> we, like us, but they might send us We know candle. some people from the UK. Yeah. They work for WIC. Yeah. They really don't like you, but that's they fair. might send oh. me one. Well, that's probably fair, though. I mean, yeah, I get it. No, it's fine. No. Anyways, what kind of... I mean, you make any sacrifice you have to make to get a candle that smells like gravy, right? No, I agree, because I bought the fire log, and I haven't exactly. burned it because I don't have a fireplace. So. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we talked about this. You throw it on your fake fireplace and let the gas burn it up, and you'll be Yeah, fine. just fuck it, right? Yeah, no, I... Get I thought about selling it. Complete the whole meal. You don't. I want thought about chicken. selling it on eBay, but uh, I mean, they were going for like fifty bucks. It's like, well, that's not worth it. I'm just gonna hold on to this. So, well, it's... I know that I know what we could do. We could have a giveaway and give it to James Cunningham, one of our listeners. Yes, yes. Cunningham's all all broke... about that. Yeah. No, and that is who broke the news to us via Twitter. So I have to give a shout out to to James. Thank you for the news. That wasn't uh, some sleuth detective work that I discovered. Oh, I know you didn't make an effort, Smith. You don't have to tell us. I was about to say, that was never implied. Like like 30 minutes ago when y'all started talking about the Oscars, I started checking Twitter. And anyways, yeah, breaking news here on, on the Take the Black podcast. Gravy candles. Yum. Hashtag gravy candles. All right, that's it. Are well, we okay, so I think David's mic messed up, so I'm going to close the show out because I'm the only one with the proper training to do it. This has Fuck been yeah. Take the Black. This has been Take the Black for David, whose mic is a dime store mic that he got at a flea market, Lady Isis, and other dumb Corey. This has been Take the Black. <laughs>